Good morning to each and every one of you. I don't know how many of you saw the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, Oklahoma, but this morning when I woke up, I thought about that phrase from one of the songs in that musical, June is busting out all over. The Lord's blessed us with a beautiful Lord's Day, and I just pray that the Lord will bless you and your plans for this coming summer. Bob welcomed our visitors, and I also want to welcome those of you who are visiting with us this morning. We appreciate you being a part of our worship service today, and of course, it's always good to see those who are part of our church family here at North. I know all of heaven, and especially our Lord, is happy that we are here. Many churches have yard signs. And on these yard signs are some short messages or verses of scripture. Some examples. On the church yard sign at the Coldwater Michigan Church of Christ, where Ellen and I worship on Wednesday nights, we saw these words last Wednesday night. The best things in life are not things. And how true that is. Here at North today, and I hope you noticed the sign as you pulled into the parking lot, our church sign greeted us with this thought. The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. And that's a Scriptural verse from Paul's writings to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 25. Well, I came across this example of a message on a church sign. One blistering hot month in Tucson, Arizona. Brian, you know about the heat of Arizona in the summertime. One blistering hot month in Tucson, Arizona. This message appeared on a churchyard sign. Hello? It sure is hot, but our Sunday school is cool. I like that. However, when the O mysteriously fell off the word hello, the message on that church sign took on a whole new meaning. In the late 1970s, when I was interim director of the admissions office at the Ypsilanti State Hospital in Michigan, there was an older employee in the maintenance department named Don. And I tell you, Don was a real grumpy curmudgeon of a man. Because the admissions office was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, I often made requests for maintenance and repairs. Whenever Don was sent over to do this work, he came in grumbling and complaining as usual, and he always asked the same question. He'd say, Romans, what in hell do you want now? 
Well, at that time, I was serving my hometown congregation of Milan, Michigan, as a deacon. And that expression of his stuck with me. And in my heart and mind, I said, thanks, Don, for giving me a subject for a Bible lesson and sermon. And this morning, I'm going to take old Don's question, what in hell do you want? And I'll answer it according to the Bible. Now, hell is such a horrible place. Horrible beyond human comprehension. But it's not a pleasant subject to study. But it is both biblical and necessary. From time to time, we who are disciples of Christ need to be reminded of what Jesus saves us from, as well as what he saves us for. And there are many things the lost and condemned sinner will want in hell. And the Bible tells us what some of these things are. We could give this lesson the subtitle of Hell's Wish List. For instance, in hell, the lost and condemned sinner will want water. I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 16 and I'm going to read to you verses 19 through 26. And you're familiar with this story that Jesus tells. As I read, you're going to see Jesus talks about hell. And he gives a description of a selfish, rich man's punishment in hell. From Luke 16, beginning with verse 19, Jesus says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receive thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. 
Whenever we're hot, whenever we're thirsty, whenever we're tired, a cold drink of water can provide wonderful relief by quenching our thirst and reviving us again. And in the torment of hell, we see Jesus teaching us that people would give anything and everything they ever owned and enjoyed in this world for just a single drop of water. Yes, Jesus taught, plainly taught, The water will be on hell's wish list because there won't be a single drop provided for anyone's comfort there. In hell, the lost and condemned sinner will want light. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 30, Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus describes hell as a place of outer darkness. Although the kind of fire we are most familiar with here on earth produces both heat and light, the fires of hell burn without light in the blackest of darkness. There's a reason for this. The reason for this intense darkness in hell is the total absence of Almighty God. 1 John, verse 5 of chapter 1, the Bible says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Light will be on hell's wish list because the divine light of God's goodness, his love, his mercy, his grace, and his presence will be forever absent there. Thirdly, in hell the lost and condemned sinner will want some good and pleasant and loving company. Now I've heard people joke about hell, but it is no joking matter. I've heard people say that hell's not going to be so bad because they'll be there with a lot of their friends. But the Bible describes the inhabitants of hell quite differently. We go to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 20. In chapter 20, verse 10, we find these words in a description of some of the inhabitants of hell. The Bible tells us, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Here we see John describing the final destination of the evil trinity. The devil, the beast, the false prophet, all cast into hell. And there they shall be. Forevermore. But they're not the only ones there. We go to the next chapter, Revelation 21, 
Verse number 8. John goes on to tell us, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Psalm 917, from the Old Testament. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. As Christians, I know that you're concerned about the direction our country seems to be going. We talked about that in Bible school class this morning here in the auditorium, and I appreciate so much the concern that was expressed by those who made a comment. Jeff Jones, thank you for doing such a fine job in leading us in the discussion in our Bible class today, as you always do. As Christians, we are concerned. I know we're praying. And I know as we live our lives, we're trying to Set as good an example for our friends, our neighbors, and our fellow citizens as we possibly can. To encourage them to seek the Lord and live as he wants us to live in this world. My brothers and sisters, the United States of America will not be granted an exemption just because we have on our coinage the words in God we trust. If God did not spare his own people, the Israelite nation, he certainly will not spare us either. But we've been called in Christ to preach, teach, and live the Christian life And that's all we can do. The rest is in the hands of our great God, our loving, merciful, kind, heavenly Father. But this verse of scripture, Psalm 917, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Hell's demons, led by Satan with Countless legions of godless, wicked, evil sinners from this world will not be good and pleasant company to keep for one minute, let alone for an eternity. Well, those in hell will want other things. They'll want relief and rest. The awful agony, the pain and torment of hell is horrific beyond all human comprehension. I want to read to you what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 49 and 50. Just a couple verses of scripture, but powerful verses of scripture. Matthew 13, verses 49 and 50. Jesus says, So shall it be at the end of the world, The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing 
of teeth. See, as we live life here, the wicked and righteous coexist on earth. But there's a time coming when time shall be no more when they will be forever and eternally separated. The wicked cast into hell. The righteous welcomed into heaven. Revelation 14.11 says of those in hell, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Just a merciful moment of relief and rest from such excruciating agony and pain will be on hell's wish list, but it will never, ever happen. Then we think about one more thing that those in hell will want. Perhaps they'll want this more than anything else. A way out. A way out of that terribly Horrible, painful place. But there is no way out. For the Bible describes hell as a place from which there is no possible escape once you are there. On the judgment day, Jesus will say to the lost and condemned sinner, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then these shall go away into everlasting punishment. The words of Jesus found in Matthew 25, verse 41 and 46. The same New Testament words vividly used to describe heaven, words like eternal, everlasting, and forever are used by our Lord and Savior to describe hell, eternal, everlasting, and forever. Yes, a way out will be on hell's wish list. But those who are sent there will sadly suffer everlasting punishment. Now, the Bible has a lot more to say about the lost sinner's eternal due. We can be certain of this, that hell is even far worse than the word pictures used in the scriptures to describe it. But praise God. Praise God, our Heavenly Father. That his son Jesus saves us from ending up in such an awful, horrible, wretched, and terrible place. Jesus described his ministry this way in Luke 19 and 10. He said that he had come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is our Lord, he is our Savior, he is our Redeemer. Because we've responded to the call of Christ upon our lives. We've accepted 
God's forgiveness through Christ. We've received the promise of life eternal, a home in heaven. God did this for us through his son, Jesus Christ, because of all the love, the mercy, the grace, and goodness that only God possesses. Jesus said in the golden text of the gospel, John 3, verse 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Question. Jesus came that the world might be saved? Saved? Saved from what? Answer. Saved from the eternal inferno of endless pain and misery that God's word, the Holy Bible, calls hell. When Paul preached the gospel to Governor Felix, we're told in Acts 24, 25, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and the judgment to come, Felix trembled. Why do you suppose Felix trembled? I'll tell you why. The Apostle Paul told him about the catastrophic consequences of sin and rejecting Jesus Christ as the Son of God and one's personal Lord and Savior. In John chapter 3, verses 35 and 36, there's a passage there, and it's the words of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, had this to say about Jesus. And about the need to believe in him and be obedient to his gospel and become a disciple and a follower of Christ. John the Baptist said, The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hands. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth. On him. From a Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, a couple of verses from that Sermon on the Mount, verses 13 and 14, we see that Jesus teaches there are only two ways to travel through this life into eternity. And here's what he has to say about those two ways. Enter ye in. At the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. About 8 billion people are living in the world right now. 
the majority are going to hell. Minority will find, even as I trust we have found, the straight and narrow way of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to life eternal. It's something to seriously think about. Two ways. In John 14, 6, Jesus said of his own life, death, and resurrection for the salvation of lost and condemned sinners, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. Oh, I know there's many people who say, well, one religion is as good as another. As all roads led to Rome, so all religious roads lead to God in heaven. Jesus would disagree. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And you don't reach heaven to have a home with God unless you come in, by, and through him. Just before returning to heaven, his ministry here on earth accomplished, Jesus told his apostles in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, that they should go into all the world and preach his gospel to everyone. Jesus told those apostles, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he warned, He that believeth not shall be damned. On this beautiful Lord's Day, first Lord's Day Sunday in June, are we counted among the saved or the damned? We're in one group or the other. Are we on the straight and narrow way that's going to heaven or the broad way that's headed down toward hell? We're on one road or the other. But the Bible teaches every one of us is going to either heaven or hell. Those in hell will want everything they can never, ever have. That those in heaven will have everything they could ever want. And oh, so much more. Now as we think about these things. Be ever so glad in your heart, your mind, your body, and your soul, your immortal soul, that you have made your choice to follow Jesus. And to understand that as your Savior, Jesus saves us from Satan, sin, death, and hell. And rejoice in the faith that you have within your heart. Well, you see, the decision we make about Jesus Christ and his gospel determines our eternal destiny. Jesus 
And Jesus Christ alone saves us from going to hell. Today, if there's anyone in our worship assembly who's not a Christian, not a disciple of Christ, not forgiven of their sin, their soul not saved, their name not written in the Lamb's book of eternal life. And if that describes you and you would like to begin your journey with Jesus to heaven by obeying his gospel call to believe and be baptized, then we're going to stand and we're going to sing an invitation song. And this morning, if you would like to respond, the tender, loving, merciful call of Jesus Christ upon your life. Come now, as together we stand and sing this invitation.